podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Dave Watson. Hello, Fergus. Paul Doolan's not here. He got destroyed by your stag. He's I think dead. the only person who got destroyed from... on my stag was me. The only person who got destroyed was you. Maybe that's right. Yeah. Although... That was... It was a pretty, like, restrained stag do, on the whole. But um, that that shot of... What was it? Like, 70% lager. That was vile. Which is, like, um, false naming, because that's not a lager. Yeah, this, exactly. It cannot possibly be a lager. This was on a night when me and Paul weren't there because uh, we yeah. only did one night because uh, we've got babies and um, we're not that into stags. Um, no. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, was, it was a good stag do. They're only on the Friday night. Uh, if any listeners happen to make their way to uh, Cuda Nightclub in York, then... <laughs> they would have had the joy of seeing a group of men in their late 30s look like teachers on a school trip. We, I mean, we were 10 years older than anyone else in that nightclub. Comfortably. 15 years older than 80% of the people in that nightclub. I had a lad come up to me and just try to start a conversation with me because it was funny. Just It was just funny <laughs> to talk to someone that old in a nightclub. He took a photo of me and put it on Snapchat, something I obviously don't entirely understand because I'm too old. But it was just funny, just the idea that we were there. I mean, I'm going off what you're saying because I don't remember much of that. I guess um, you don't really remember the club. nightclub, do you? No, no, I <laughs> Fair enough. Not really. Well, let's just yeah. say I was the coolest dude there. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Um, and we went to a football game. We went yep, to York City versus Curzon Ashton. Which, right up until I found out what happened in the game uh, between Newcastle and Bournemouth, I was thinking, well, we're only an hour from Newcastle. Why are we not going to do the Newcastle game? Turned out we made a very good decision. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it was a decent game, the one that we actually were at. You know, York City, 2-1. It's a couple really of good goals. Good yeah, John Parkin scored. If, John if Parkin. anybody doesn't know who he is, have a Google for John Parkin. And, and you know, you, he's, he's, a, he's basically an argument that any of us could be a professional footballer because he is a big fat bastard. He really is. He's, um, I mean, I suspect he's got some muscle under the fat that I'm lacking, but yes, I, I think his training regime revolves around picking up tyres. He's, <laughs> he's, and then eating them. He's a fat man who like had a career in, uh, the Premier. We played for Stoke and he's played a lot for, uh, teams a lot higher up uh, the table than York scored a goal yeah. it's a proper old English game big lad up front yeah it was very good very entertaining yeah 
Paul can't make it, which meant that we didn't have our um, normal uh, pre-pod drinks. So usually I would be in the pub for an hour or so before the pod. Instead, I had to put my fucking child to bed and read him a fucking story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll tell you... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what the story um, said. It said, um, sign up and deposit up to £50 and Labrooks will put the same amount into your account, giving you up to £50 worth of free bets. Uh-huh. And um, you do that by going to... Oh, I thought I had it in my email. What's the... What, Newcastle.bet. Newcastle.bet. Oh, bet.newcastle. Podcast. Bet.newcastle podcast. Just go, just refer back to our previous podcast. Bet.newcastle podcast. <laughs> Say again. Dot com. com. And that's in the, <laughs> that was in the children's book. Fucking <laughs> terrible. It's more, oh, I mean, I mean, I usually skip through the adverts on uh, podcasts. I wouldn't skip through ours because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, mate, you sound hungover. Are you okay? I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't. I feel okay. I've got a theory mm. that a lot of men become alcoholics in the week following a stag. Like they're just like, well, I guess this is my life now. They just keep on drinking to try and recover from the stag. Well, I have to admit, I did have. Um some wine last night because I just thought, oh, it's 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 this time of night. I have to be drinking now. I had a small so. glass of port in the afternoon yesterday. <laughs> with, of course you did. With cheese, it was. I bought nice cheese, and then was it as impressive as your um, the meat platter you bought at the pub? That was sure. <laughs> so we should so twenty quid, twenty quid, and just like three bits of ham. Anyway, to be fair, the meat platter was football? only five... Qu- right, yeah, let's talk about it, Dave. So, um, yeah. Newcastle played Bournemouth, as uh, we've already exclusively revealed. We didn't get to see that game, but um, we've all seen the highlights, mm. uh, of which there such weren't... Such as they um, are. Yeah, such as they are. Um, the word on the street is, it was a game of two halves, Dave. Mm. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've... I mean, obviously, I'm having to go off highlights and just reading match reports and stuff. And from from the sounds of things, yeah, we, we were full of verve in the first half. But in the second half, Bournemouth came out, really kicked on. And uh, I think it's similar to the, the games against like, the, uh, the Burnley game and the, the, the um, Brighton game and Huddersfield game. Could have gone either way. And but for a bit of profligacy on our part and a bit of uh, a lapse in defending as well. It could have, you know, it could have gone our way. It sounds like, there, I mean, the, there was a chance which Gale put away, uh, which was chalked off for offside. Correct. And I've seen a lot of people saying that it was um, it was definitely onside or it's, no, no, it was definitely offside. The point is, it wasn't, it wasn't like yards offside. It was, it was like part of his head was offside, so um, the point is we didn't we didn't score um, again, 
and that's a concern for me. And I think it, it you know, it leads on to quest, questions about the system that we play. So we, we tried a different system against Bournemouth. We tried a four four, uh, like a four four two, essentially. Um, and I think that's where we got the uh, the attacking verb from. Um, defensively, we looked a bit shaky in the second half when Lascelles went off injured. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's just we we've got to remember that we're basically still a championship squad, and we're eleventh in the league. And coming up against teams like Burnley and Bournemouth, yeah, those are games that you want to be getting points from, and we haven't. But we'll pick up points, and we'll still be fine at the end of the season. So, yeah, you've pretty much summarised everything there, Dave. You've got the whole game and the whole season, and we might as well wrap up the pod. <laughs> I mean, it's really difficult when you when you haven't watched the game and all you've seen is like highlights. I mean, we can talk about the uh, well. The that I know that means that we need to like we need to make this podcast last. We need to string it out. You've just rattled out every fucking talking point. I don't know where to go. <laughs> well, why not? I've got to, I've, 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 like, this is right. We'll go to the offside briefly. Okay. Okay. The offside goal that Gale scored. Mm-hmm. I reckon there should be a lot more leniency, not just from uh, referees, referees' assistants and commentators. Just in general, there should be level is... Well, I can't finish that sentence. Basically, I just think people are too harsh on um, on offside decisions. You want to see goals, don't you? Yeah, I think because there's that phrase, um, the the benefit of the doubt should go to the attacker. Right. Well, and the benefit of the doubt should have gone to that attacker. I mean, I understand I, that. I, it, I understand it's in, it's happening live. So uh, you can make mistakes. It's very difficult to get it all in. But I think we were unlucky yeah. in that respect. I think yeah, I, I do think that we were unlucky. Um, but you have to, you have to, because it, it, it's like. I don't, like if if that was the only chance we'd had, and we drew nil nil, you could say, well, we were unlucky not to get all three points. But we had other opportunities to score. Um, I think we hit the bar, um, but most of our not... opportunities were from outside the box, weren't they? There were shots yeah. from Richie and Atsu, but there wasn't really. Um, I mean, I keep on going down the rabbit hole of looking at XG. But um, it wasn't in our favour. I don't think we had any um, particularly uh, uh, big chances. No, but there the weren't f- any clear. This is so. This is something that I wanted to talk about. Is that we we seem to be basing our uh, gameplay on being resolute at the back and taking advantage of set pieces and taking advantages of the few opportunities that fall our way. For that, we need a fairly big bloke up front to, to kind of soak up the pressure. John Parkin. Um, yeah, John Parkin. If, uh, if we're not going to play, if, if we are going to stick with that formation, the the um, the four two three one, generally, then I think Hosselu's got to be dropped and Mitrovic given a chance because keeping Hosselu in is going to damage both his confidence and Mitrovic's confidence unless he, unless he scores and he just doesn't look like scoring goals at the minute. Um, I think that once we've got our, once we get Marino back, I think we'll be better in midfield than we have been. Um, I just, 
I'm not I'm not too concerned. It's two two disappointing results in a row, but I'm not overly concerned because we've still got like the third highest points tally um since like two thousand and eleven, I think. Something like like in maybe in Ashley's reign, I can't remember. But the point is like we're still doing well. We're still, you know Hang on, did you just say the not- third highest points tally that that we've had since two thousand and eleven? At this stage of the season, yeah. That's a really unimpressive stat. <laughs> it must, it must we, we got relegated one of those seasons. <laughs> I, we, I think it, that covers only like five seasons. <laughs> well, six including <laughs> this. Then it must it must be like in in the entirety of Ashley's reign. Well, um, that's a bit. Yeah, it sort of says it's yeah, a par for the course. It's a, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We. Until very recently, everyone was feeling pretty good about how things were going for the club. It's just we've just had three one nils, two of which we happened to lose, and mm. um, that's not really a sustainable state of affairs. We, as a pod, we all predicted two nil. We thought that this would be the game where we'd finally win by a two goal margin, having not done so since West Ham game, I think, and you know yeah. where we thought that we'd be able to impose ourselves on another team, I guess. And, and yeah, and Bournemouth, sh- and Bournemouth show, were shit. Yeah, and Bournemouth have not had a good season. Uh, so, no. But, but they, um, they did have a really good second half. And mm-hmm. uh, we, it looks like, like everyone's been saying, we've got a championship squad. It looks like we don't have the firepower. Um, you're saying that we need... Mitrovic, a lot of people are saying that. I would say that there is the just play devil's advocate. There's maybe the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mitrovic might be um, benefiting from that whole thing where players get a fuck of a lot better when they're not actually playing in the minds yeah. of football so fans. My, my, I know that I'm I'm want to bang uh, bang on a bit about Mitrovic. I I, I appreciate that maybe. Maybe yeah, maybe it, it is. I am more biased than I think I am. But for me, it's more that the way that we play requires like a fairly big striker up front, <clears throat> and Gale can't really do that um, by himself. He can't fulfil that role. So with the, the squad that we've got and the system that we use to get the best out of the squad that we've got, it is a straight choice for me between Hoslow and Mitrovic. And at the minute. Hosselu isn't scoring goals, and his like his overall contribution isn't isn't as good as it was three or four games ago. So, if Rafa Benitez is quite happy happy to give Modiame a shot in centre midfield when we're all pretty convinced that he's not not a particularly good midfielder, um, I, there must be something going on why Mitrovic isn't being picked because I mean Hells Bells he brought on um brought on Perez for, for Hostler, didn't he? Rather than bringing on like bringing on Mitrovic for the final few um Is final it, few well, minutes. We, well you were watching while well, we were all watching the York City game, you were um keeping a good eye on things on your phone in terms of just updates. And uh, that did raise a lot of eyebrows um, yeah. uh, namely those of yours, mine, and Paul Doolan's. 
Yeah. Uh, we were. I thought the- Mitrovic had finally made it to the bench. We'd. Uh, I mean, I've got a question here from uh, Daniel Jeekins, who says, mm-hmm. "Is it time to start blaming Rafa for negative tactics?" He did actually for the first time this season. Pass the first time in a league game in Rafa's reign, maybe. He played four four two. Yeah, I mean, I might I mean, be wrong on that. Then somebody might be able to find a game where he hadn't. But he played four four two. It, the result was the same. Mm. He won't be doing that again anytime soon, will he? No, I, I can't. I can't see him um, going four four two again. Not, not when the. the like we we didn't lose because uh, we, we didn't lose because uh, they scored um, like two and we scored one or anything like that. we we lost because uh, there wasn't sufficient um, composure at the back when we needed it most and I mean we didn't like, we didn't deny them a lot of opportunities when we were playing four four two but then we weren't creating a lot of opportunities playing four four two for ourselves so I, I don't really see. I don't see why he would stick with this when it not only didn't work um, in terms of result, but it didn't work in terms of the performance either. Um, you, you've got to look at our best performances have come with four, you know, four, two, three, one, um, with an active uh, striker up front. And I think that stick, sticking with four, four, two, certainly against teams like uh, of a better standard than Bournemouth. Because Bournemouth were 19th when we when we faced them, um, you, you're asking for trouble at this league. You'll just get picked apart. I wonder what it um, was that led him to do that. Was it was it that he thought that that might work specifically against Bournemouth, or did he just feel that what a lot of people have been feeling that Perez isn't really working at number ten, and he's got a striker in the squad who's scored a a lot of goals last season and maybe it wasn't fair that he wasn't getting into the starting lineup. and let's give him a goal, a, a go and see what he does. I wonder how things I mean, might have been, uh, if not for four four two as a tactic, but for Dwight Gale at least, if that offside decision had gone his way. You know? Yeah, and also, to be fair to Gale, um, in the dying moments, uh, he was clean through not clean through, but he was going through and Lewis Cook, uh, was it Lewis Cook? No, what's his, Cook, whoever, Steve Steve Cook, Cook, that's his name, Steve Cook. The guy who scored their goal. Yeah, he fouled him um, and he's admitted to fouling him and saying that he was, he he would be, he would have been happy to take the red card because it would have stopped Dwight Gale scoring, but he, you know, he didn't, he didn't get a, he didn't get any kind of punishment, so um, maybe maybe play Gale again. Um, and the trouble is, the next couple of opponents we've got coming up, I can't see us playing with two up front because um, it's uh, Manu and Watford, and you know Manu or Manu, and then um, Watford are doing all right. I think I think we will revert to one up front and try and pack out the midfield. Certainly against Manu, um, and I can't imagine that Dwight Gale will will be asked to play on his own up front against a defence of that calibre. And um, so he might be brought on and off the bench again. But 
I honestly expect him just to revert to four two three one with Hosselio up front. I think you're right. Against Yeah. And I think that, that again, game like, is that game against Manu will be one nil to Manu. Yeah, well, if if we're lucky, yeah. I think because he's not gonna start he's not gonna start Mitrovic because Mitrovic will get frustrated and can't really trust him to keep his head. And all the man new players will know to try and wind him up. So we'll have to play Hosselu up front, and Hosselu's not going to get a sniff against their back line. I wonder how Mitrovic will do in the international break, which is coming up, because he does seem to be scoring quite a few goals for Serbia. I don't know who they've got, but, uh, if, yeah. but if, he, if he does do well in the international break, gets a few goals, gets some playing time, he might be banging on Rafa's door. And I wouldn't want to be Rafa's door... <laughs> if Mitrovic well, was just, banging I, on it, he'd be banging out on it with, on it with his head. I would well, imagine. I'm trying to work out who they've got next, Serbia. Um, Off the top of my know. head, I would have to say I've not got a fucking clue. No, me um, neither. But I can probably find out. So, uh, what other talking points do we have from the game? I mean, Richie hit the uh, the woodwork, so uh, I think he had a decent game. And um, from what I've read and what I've what I've heard, um, I think uh, Shelby was quieter, but he seemed to do, those two seemed to work well in tandem. Uh, Shelby and Hayden in the centre. Um, I mean, Marino's out for a, a couple of weeks at least, isn't he? So uh, you'd expect um, Hayden and Shelby to play again together. Have you um, seen interviews with Hayden? No. He's a very well-spoken young man. Yeah. Look out for them. You know, I will he's, do. He's a very, I quite like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's like Stephen Fry level, <laughs> but he doesn't, you know, he's a lot more articulate than your average footballer and probably than your average podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think um, with him and him and the cells, uh, I think they're they're almost it's almost like a, the beginnings of a, like a new a new generation of footballer who, like you say, are a little bit better, a little bit more. Oh my god, a little bit better in front of the microphone, like better than me for sure. I mean, there's um, a lot of irony floating around right here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in my defence, I mean, they definitely I'm, need their own podcast right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm st- I'm still hungover, to be honest, mate. Um, but I like it. I like to see uh, young men who can who don't just get up in front of the camera and say, "Oh yeah, well, I'm just pleased to be here," and "Oh well, as you know, like um, you know, um, it's um, um. <laughs> well, so." Uh, Go on, say what you have to say, and then we're going to have a quick break, Dave. So this has got to be the, a sentence that will keep people listening to this podcast. Go. Fuck, that's a lot of pressure, man. Um, that was it. Just well done to Hayden for being good on the mic. Jesus, Fergus, don't, don't do that to a man. See you after the break. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back, Dave. 
How's the hangover? <laughs> Still rumbling on. Still rumbling on. We've got a question on Twitter uh, from um, Gorilla Montoon. Nice. Who says, which bin is it this week? Actually, I don't know. It'll probably be, I'm, I'm hoping it's household waste because there's a shitload of household waste. It, it, oh, bollocks. It's paper and garden waste. So that's of use to man the beast. So you've got that stinking food in your house? Do you have to keep it in your house no, for ages? No, we put it in the bin outside. Right. And then... I'm not a savage, come okay. on. And of course, you've been away for a while. You were in Edinburgh yeah. and Bath. Does that mean your partner was on um, bin duty? She was. She hasn't fucking done it. Of course. That's, That's the thing. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to get all... Jim Davidson about it, but yeah, she hasn't she hasn't taken the bins out at all. Just left it. That's, how, that's fine. That's a conversation I'll have with her when she gets back. <laughs> so uh, I've just got breaking news. Uh, Serbia have China and South Korea next week, which looks like they're going on a similar tour to that of Donald Trump at the moment. <laughs> He's going around uh, Asia. Let's hope that Mitrovic doesn't come across Donald Trump at any stage because I reckon that will start a war. Yeah. Why do you think it is that he is so much more prolific on the international stage than than in the league and and better behaved? Sorry, we are talking about Mitrovic here, not Trump. Yeah, yeah, Mitrovic, not, not Trump. Um... Well, he's hardly playing in the league, is he? So there's that. And, yeah, but... And maybe he's confident on the international stage. Maybe he feels loved. Maybe he knows he's like a guaranteed starter, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he starts all the time there. I just... I, I can't... The arguments I've heard against Mitrovic starting are... You can't trust him because he'll get sent off and that he misses loads of chances. Well, he's scoring for the international for his international side. He hasn't had a yellow card this season. I know he hasn't played a lot of a lot of minutes for us. But he hasn't done it like you know, he hasn't he hasn't been getting cards at all, international or or the other one. And that seems in, that seems to be like almost an argument against him personally, rather than you know what's best for the team is hustle is not working. Let's try something else. It's don't start that mental prick. And I just I think that we've let Shelby come back from the stupidest of red cards, not not violence where you could you could almost excuse it for maybe he's a little over exuberant or something, but like. Just treading on Deli Ali's foot is the most petulant, pathetic way to get sent off. And yet people just welcome Shelby back because he can ping a 40-yard ball. It's like... That's true. I mean, I would say in his time at Newcastle, Shelby has proven himself more valuable to the team. But, uh, yeah, I understand. We We are in a situation right now where it feels like Mitrovic could be a handy player to have on the pitch. And, 
if not if 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 not uh, the ideal player, you know, would I would really like us to sign a much better striker in January. Absolutely. I don't think that and we will. And then of course but, if yeah. Go on. If if we return to four two three one, that that raises the other question that's been rumbling on all season, which is who do you play at the number ten? Like, do you play Perez or do you play I don't know? I, I, I cannot for this for the life of me um make any argument for Modi Arme's inclusion. But then that leaves you with either square pegs and round holes like Richie in the centre or I don't know, maybe giving Murphy a, a run at the centre. I seem to remember at the beginning of the season your first choice eleven included Richie at number ten. It did, yeah, but it's that's a square peg and a round hole because I didn't think Perez was gonna was gonna work. Um and some might say you've I been proven right. Maybe it's time to give Richie a go at number ten. Don't think that'll happen, but you know. Yeah, Could and, be interesting. I, I, and I think the an issue with uh, Jacob Murphy is that he's only ever coming on to game coming onto the pitch in games where it's tight because all our games are tight. So he's he's coming on, and because he's a winger, he's not going to get a lot of the ball for that final 10, 15 minutes. Well, for him, so really it's more like the final seven, eight minutes that he's getting. Yeah. He's not getting any time, and, he's, and it's once every five games. So it's time for Rafa to go, isn't it? He's got to go. He's got <laughs> to go. <laughs> I did quite like this. Like, this so after every, after every loss, there's, the, there's like a, there's peaks and troughs on Twitter where the, the initial disappointment is met very quickly by a can't believe people are complaining because of where we are. And then there's a little bit that, that dwindles away to people saying, no, no, actually this is a valid concern and all the rest of it. And then again, another wave of like, yeah, but think about what this means. Think about where we've come from and stuff like that. There's a lovely, like, you know, rolling wave of disappointment and careful consideration and stuff like that. It's, that sounds like and this, a, a pretty accurate description of my life. <laughs> Just peaks and troughs. Yeah. It could be worse. It could be troughs and troughs. So... I've got some tweets. Sorry, I'm just reading Twitter. I've got some tweets. Yeah. From the... The dudes. Yeah. Well, the dudes on Twitter. Uh... Nixon2014 says, uh, my brother is a Sunderland fan. He has just had a son and is threatening to raise him Mackham. At what point can I call social services? See, I don't want to comment because I got, you got loads of, of abuse for talking about Sunderland last week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're fucking bottom and they're going to go down if they don't bring in an incredible manager, but... That's that's all I'm going to say on the matter. I mean, I would say, on the one hand, it seems it seems a bit mean to uproot a child's life and take them away from their father because of a decision about football. But on the other hand, they are bottom of the championship, so yeah, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you'll find the right thing in your heart. Uh, Mackenzie yeah. Allen got in touch and said uh, that we could could discuss her Halloween costume. I mean, I can only describe it. 
as this is an audio forum, but uh, she dressed up as John Joe Shelby for Halloween and did a really good <laughs> did a really good job of it. Is she wearing a? She is wearing a bald cap. Uh, yes, she's wearing a yes, bald cap, is. and she's uh, wearing the number twelve. Is that, is that Shelby's number? Because if yep. it isn't, yeah. And uh, she, I mean, she kind of looks like John Joe Shelby. And take that as a compliment, Mackenzie. I'm just saying you've done a good job. Um. So there's something. Bedford Mag got in touch to say, why is Hosselu completely inept at scoring? Well, he's not. It's just, it's just the, the other defenders have to kick the ball against him. Um, <laughs> why can't we hit a barn door with a banjo? Sort of I think that comes down to, like you were saying before about the um, like XG, and where the where the chances are happening, yeah, we're not getting the ball. We're not working the ball into the box um, for you know, with drag backs or anything like that. Most of our games, getting to the getting to the final third and putting in a cross, the crosses have been pretty poor um, from from all wide wide players. Um, and Hoslu's he's decent in the air and he's quite mobile and he, you know I think we said it before he's like 6 out of 10 in a lot of a lot of areas but, but he doesn't he doesn't make things like happen Andy does he he's, he's not phenomenal no. at finding space or anything no and because we're playing with a number 10 who frankly isn't good enough at this level to play the number 10 position we're not putting the ball round the corner or splitting the defence with passes where the chances that are coming our way, then they're rarely they're rarely good chances. We're not creating good chances, so I think that's when people are saying like we can't hit the barn, uh, barn door with a banjo. I think it's because we're trying to hit the barn door from like forty yards, and it's pretty hard to do with a banjo. I would I would think a banjo couldn't get that far. No, are you kicking it? Are you throwing it without a catapult? It's not going to get there. A trebuchet. I, I beg your pardon? A trebuchet. What's that? It's similar to a uh, catapult, but it's based on counterweight instead of, um, like, uh, a catapult is like you're bending the, the, the wood yeah. to flick it forward, whereas a catapult is counterweight. It sounds like something I might have seen in Asterix. Yes, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> um, Bedford, Mas- Bedford Mag also asks, are we now reliant on Marino? Uh, I put that to you. Well, no. Okay, I mean, good. Could, I, uh, it's too early to say <laughs> that, really, isn't it? Because it's not like he's actually played that many games for us. He's one of our best midfielders, certainly. Mm-hmm. If I think we've got a pretty... For our level, I think we've got a pretty good midfield in Shelby, Hayden and Marina. It's only a couple of weeks ago that we were saying that it was nice to be in a situation where we had three good players fighting for two positions. And uh, I think that's still the case. We had the experiment against Burnley where Diame started in midfield. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that was a failure. We've just had the experiment where we went four four two. It's a bit weird, actually. Yeah. Now that I'm saying it, we were doing pretty well 
we just won our last game and in the last two games Rafa has done some sort of experimenting and neither has worked I think part of that is um, the players that we've had available um, bit of that, but Hayden was available uh, for the game that Diarmé started, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, uh, but then there were there were reports that um, Rafa was saying that he was playing well in in training. And sure, uh, I mean we've covered that where we said, look, if, if somebody is performing well in training and, and doing what you've asked for them, asked of them, then you kind of do have to give them their chance. And um, yeah, I, sure. I it's think, a bit of a shame, though, really, isn't it? Because he's made those experiments, but each, but each game could have gone either way. So I'm not mm. calling him an idiot for this, but it's a bit of a shame that neither of those experiments has worked, and now we've got the international break, and we've got a team going into the international break with what and I can only imagine is nowhere near the confidence that we had a couple of weeks ago, and then yeah, our first game back is at Old Trafford, so yeah. And then against an informed Watford, so suddenly, I mean, having said that, at the beginning of the season, I thought we were going to be in a relegation battle. I now feel like uh, there's a pretty strong chance that we won't be, and I still hold out hopes that we could end up in the top half of the table. But yeah. suddenly, things are not looking as rosy and, and as they we've were. Still but got, it's all about uh, peaks and troughs, isn't it? Peaks and troughs. And you've also got to look at, we've got a transfer window coming up that hopefully we'll spend a bit of money in. We've also got like players that will come back. And if you look at the bottom half of the Premier League right now, you've got some like fairly big clubs who are struggling, but then they brought the... I mean, you've seen that West Ham have sacked uh, Slavin Bilic. Um, and the, I've, it seems to be the case that they're going to bring in um, David Moyes. And... That is an an entirely uninspiring appointment because I don't think that David Moyes is going to suddenly get them playing well. I just I I think West Ham, if they bring in Moyes, it'll be more of the same because he he's not particularly good at turning sides. You know, turning a, a side like West Ham into an attacking force. Well, um, I don't think that's what he's been there, brought in to do, is it? David Moyes would have been no. brought in to do the same sort of job that one would bring Sam Allardyce in to do, you know. And but then he, he didn't, he he couldn't do that uh, at his previous role at Sunderland, and he he hasn't really like he wasn't particularly he didn't make Man U difficult to beat either, and they had some great players. I just think that so if you've got like West Ham down there, you've got Everton down there. Everton who still haven't named... Yeah, that, a, a, what, a to me, you're sort of making an argument for things could get more tricky for us because what you've got down there are clubs, big clubs uh, mm. with big players where things are really... They're having a terrible first third to the season and things are really not yeah. working, but they are clubs that could really get their shit together and... Uh, and then we could end up battling in relegation. Now that you say but, it, you but know. don't you think it's a lot easier to tread water in the Premier League? And like, if you, because of the good start we've we've made, um, it's easier because if we pick it, if we continue to pick up like a, a point a game or something like that from now to the end of the season, 
we should still be in mid-table position, whereas they've got to, certainly for like, um, for West Ham, West Ham are on, um, they're, they're on nine points, so they're not adrift by any stretch of the imagination. But for them to claw themselves up to the, to where they would be, be comfortable, they're going to have to be going for three points a, a game. Po- rather how than, many points are we on, Dave? We're on 14. 14 points after 11 games. So if we maintain, you know, if we get, what is it, another, 30, another 25 games, if we get a point a game, that's only like 39 points, but it should be enough. To, <laughs> which is to not comfortable. No, right, it should be enough to keep up, but it's not comfortably mid-table, is it? Which is what you just said, Dave. Play back the tape. But, <laughs> but if, but my point is, like, if we maintain the, the current right, we'll, we will be comfortable. It's only if we go, if we do badly and revert to like a point a game, which I don't think we will. I think that's when, that's when you, you even then we would still be in a, a good shout of staying up, which is, this season was was the be all and end all. Sure, I don't want to get I, yeah. I just, it's too early for me to bring it, us into a negative conversation about a relegation battle. I. I don't think that is the most likely thing at the moment. I'm still happy to float along and believe that we've got a pretty good chance of finishing top half and a very good chance of finishing mid-table. So um, hopefully this is just a blip. Yeah. Um, So uh, let's, let's, let's wrap up. How do we, how do we finish? How do we finish this? Well, we have, I mean, we are we going to record before the next pot? No, we won't record before the next match. Oh. So we could do a, a you know, finger in the air. What do we think is going to happen in the Man U game? But I think we'll so lose far one away. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll we've got a pretty. Nil. I think we've got a pretty good record against Mourinho sides. Hmm. But I also think that he's going to win a lot of games. One. It's it, he's, I mean, it's kind of like Benitez, right? He's he's going to win a lot of games one nil. The games that he loses, he's going to lose one nil. Um, yeah, he certainly sets that way up against the the top sides, but against a side like us, I think he he'll let the he'll loosen the shackles off like Martial, Rashford, Lukaku. Um, I was, trying to, be, I was trying to be positive by saying we'll only lose one nil, but all right, yeah. <laughs> no, when you say that, I mean you make a strong case four nil. <laughs> I, I reckon we'll lose two nil. Um, I think we'll do. I think we'll perform better. I really do because I don't think. Um, I think after we get back, like a few more weeks where Rafa Benitez can really get get the coaching ideas across to the players, where he can work on shapes and systems and stuff like that I, I think we'll be we'll be set up well but I just think man you're just too strong it's just too strong for us at the minute yeah but um, yeah are you you live in Manchester you're not going to try and get in the game are you um, it's the 18th isn't it so um, I'm fairly certain I can't Okay. Well, I mean, if anybody's got a spare ticket, I wouldn't say no. There we go. I reckon we can get one to you, Dave. If anyone's got a spare ticket for Dave Watson to go and watch Newcastle at Old Trafford, then um, 
Let's make that happen. Make a wish foundation. To be honest, I think I'm as much as a, a, of a jinx as you are, though. I can't remember the last time I saw us win live. Right. Okay. So I'll go, but it, like, because I'm expecting a loss anyway. Expecting a loss anyway. It's like I'm going to the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge. Doesn't matter, does it? No, don't matter. Don't matter. All right. Don't matter. Nothing really matters, does it? Anyone can see. And it doesn't really matter, does it? It's all. Um, it's all an illusion. <laughs> So, this has been a really downbeat pod. I apologise to everybody. Well, this is what I happens think. when you uh, pump men in their late 30s full of alcohol for a weekend and force them to spend some time in a nightclub where they feel like they're supervising a Duke of Edinburgh award. Don't <laughs> 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 uh, mind. It was all right. Me and Paul did the, we did the sightseeing bus tour of York. Yeah, I saw that. That was nice. Yeah. It's one of those towns that's like, it's got stuff, but, you know, not quite enough for a sightseeing bus. You know? Who were the famous people? Uh, so, yeah, if your sightseeing bus tour has to pad it out by telling you that Judy Dench and uh, the actor Mark Addy who has a not spectacular uh, <laughs> career. career, were born there. And if your sightseeing bus tour includes mention of a local Sainsbury's, <laughs> <laughs> then it's not... It's, let's just say, I'm still glad I did it, but it wasn't quite the tour I did of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> But a beautiful city, I mean, uh, and Paul spent a lot of time looking on right move, just looking at like, oh, we could actually afford to live somewhere nice here. Yeah. As opposed to the shitholes we live in now. All right, that brings us to the end of the show, Dave. Perfect. Thank you very much uh, for your time. I hope you have uh, a good international break. Thank you to you, the, the uh, Newcastle Natter listener. Don't forget to uh, tell your friends, like us on iTunes, subscribe, subscribe. That really helps on iTunes, apparently. Subscribe. And uh, my name is Fergus Craig. Paul Doolan will hopefully be back after the international break. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? 
chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.